just pray and acknowledge God's presence as we look at the scripture today. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we're so grateful to be in your presence. We know whenever we're gathered together, you promise to be with us. We're not just here as a social club. We are here as people who are worshiping you and learning from you and listening to you and learning to respond to what you're teaching us and what you're telling us. Uh, we pray, God, that you'd give us open hearts and open minds so that we can hear what you want to say today and see the world the way that you see it increasingly every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the past few weeks, we've started this conversation that we're calling Going Public. And we've been talking about how do we, as people who are trying to follow Jesus, live publicly in a world with our faith influencing our public life uh, in a way that honors God and invites people to know more about Jesus. And these conversations on Sundays and elsewhere have been pretty tense so far, and some of you may be like a little tense coming to worship this morning, so I apologize for that. Uh, we're not trying to make you tense. We're trying to address the tension that I think exists in everyday life and not just pretend it isn't there. And so today uh, I want to talk about some of the tension in the political conversation, in the conversation about race uh, that we were experiencing in the last couple of weeks. We're trying to engage this going public conversation by asking, how did Jesus engage people publicly? How does God engage the public uh, now, and how are we invited into that? So one of the ways that Jesus regularly engages publicly is by healing people. And sometimes I think this part gets kind of glossed over, but there's more than 30-some different independent healing stories in the gospel. Jesus and his disciples after him often are sent out to heal the sick. That's like a basic kind of bread and butter thing they're doing. And oftentimes they do it in public, and they sometimes do it on days like the Sabbath when religious leaders think they're not supposed to do it. So we wanted to ask the question, as we're thinking about engaging public, publicly, how does healing and the way that Jesus is healing in the world influence how we're engaging the public conversation that's going on now? What do we need as individuals in terms of God's healing in our own life? What does our community need in terms of healing in our life? What does our nation need in terms of healing? If we look at the situations that are happening through the lens of healing, how does that help us reframe the way that we think about acting publicly? So I gave you a couple of sticky notes today in your program. You're going to want to hang on to those. As you're listening to me, I encourage you to write down one or two things uh, that you think you personally could use healing for. That could be something very, very um, present in your life every day that you would like God's healing for. But if, or if as you're listening to me, you think this is something we all need healing for. And when I'm done speaking, I'm gonna invite you during the first song after the message to come down and just stick your sticky notes on these whiteboards down here. And we'll have a kind of collective prayer for healing. And then I'm going to ask some of the leaders in the prayer team to stand along the side here and be willing to pray for people uh, as we're singing those last couple of songs. So just so that doesn't sneak up on you, that's what your sticky notes are for. What does healing look like today for us, for individuals and for us as a group? How did Jesus bring healing into the lives of different people? We're going to look at one particular story in Luke chapter 18 where Jesus heals a blind man who calls out to him as he's passing by. 
And I thought it would be an interesting experiment to try to all read the story together. Instead of me reading you the story, if I get us started, can we all read the scripture together? Everybody up for that? If you're not, you can just sit there quietly, okay? Uh, so I'll get us going and then read the story along with me as we have it up on the screen. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. So we have this story of a man who can't see. Jesus is traveling. The guy finds out that Jesus is coming by and starts asking for help. There's two important ways to understand this story, all right? There's the actual experience of the man who's healed, but there's also a device that Luke is using in this book, in this point, to say there's a lot of spiritual blindness in the stories all around this story, if you look at it in Luke later, in Luke 18 and 19 where people are not understanding what Jesus is saying when he says he's going to die and come back to life, where religious leaders are accusing him of things and he's telling them they don't understand, when the disciples don't understand him uh, as he's pulling children in and blessing the children and spending time with the children. There's a lot of people who can't see what God is doing. And then Luke puts this story right in the middle of those can't-see stories of a man who's blind being healed of his blindness and being able to see and follow Christ. And so there's two things that are happening here. So first, let's look at the guy who was actually healed. He, he finds out that Jesus is coming along, and he starts yelling, right? You can't really appreciate it when we all read it together. He's yelling at the top of his lungs, Lord, have mercy on me. And the people around him are like, no, be quiet. They're probably, they're probably using stronger language than that. Be quiet. Don't bother him. You're nobody. You're nothing. Just sit there. He's going to go past you. And when they tell him to be quiet, he starts yelling louder. Like, I don't care. I don't care what you think. I'm going to try to grab the opportunity that I know is passing by me because I've heard what this person can do, and I want to be healed. So if you think back in this time, uh, you know, we don't have near, they don't have near the access to medical care, right, that we have. And sometimes these miracle stories, I think, can feel really distant. But a lot of the folks who heard that Jesus was coming, they knew that there was really no other chance. There was no surgeon in some other place that was going to help them. Like, it was either miracle or nothing. And so when you hear about these people being healed, and you hear that the guy who's been healing them comes by, you have to grab your opportunity, right? I was trying to imagine, side, side note, I was trying to imagine what's something that we all need healing for that seems like it would take a miracle to accomplish right now. Think about that for a second. Either in your own life or in, in the community's life, in the nation's life, where do we obviously need healing? But if we're, if we're 
if we're honest about it, we say, it seems like only a miracle is going to bring about that healing. I think we could come up with some ideas, and maybe some more will come up as we talk. So some people around this guy maybe given up on any hope of being healed, but by Jesus' reputation coming to him, he decides to grab this opportunity and start by just admitting that he needs healing. Sometimes in the tension of acting publicly, it's more embarrassing to admit that you need healing. And so we're kind of all covering up the spaces where we're hurting the most, where we're experiencing the most pain, because that's kind of the normal social thing to do. This guy has none of that. He's literally screaming that he needs help. And he's going to try to get it from Jesus. That sort of vulnerability, that sort of honesty, literally stops Jesus in his track. He stops and he tells the people, bring this guy to me. And when he's sitting in front of him, he asks him this really important question. The question is real simple. Jesus asks it multiple times in the Bible. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, if you think about that moment, doesn't it seem sort of obvious what the guy wants him to do for him? He's obviously blind. He's obviously begging. Is it clarification that Jesus needs about the request? Is he confused about what the guy's situation is? Probably not, right? Jesus asks us these kinds of questions all the time because he wants to know what's really going on in our hearts. The want part of that is so important. What do you want me to do for you? We've been talking about this all summer. What we want defines who we are in a lot of ways. What we love defines who we are. What do you want from me? I'm not just going to heal you, and I'm not going to decide that you need healing. I want to know what you want. And the man comes back from that conversation and says to Jesus very simply, he acknowledges Jesus as Lord. He says, Lord, let me see again. I want to see. That's what I want in my heart. Jesus responds by saying, your faith has healed you, and the Greek says, has saved you. So you didn't just get your sight. You got redeemed, reconciled relationship with God. Maybe even more than you were asking for because you trusted me and you asked me and your heart wanted to be whole the way that I made you, I'm giving it to you. Then there's a public result in this story, isn't there? This is all done on the street. This isn't some quiet corner somewhere. Jesus heals this guy in the street and it says that he then can see, he praises God, God gets the glory for the healing and he starts following Jesus immediately. And the people around him, the people who saw this, who were just a minute ago telling this guy to shut up, they start going, oh my gosh, God is amazing. And clearly, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one that God has sent to save us. A couple of weeks ago, I said, maybe the most two important questions for us anytime we're engaging publicly as Christians is, are, is what we're doing bringing glory to God and encouraging people to know and love Jesus? If we're doing those things, we're, we're on the right track. Jesus heals this man publicly out of compassion for him and his situation and also as a sign that the kingdom of God is busting in in some new ways that people don't expect. I think Jesus engages publicly to show how great God is and to invite them into relationship. And so here's some questions I want us to think about out of this story. Will you put them on the screen for me?
First question, if you look at this story and think about the healing in your own life and in our life, is are we even asking God for healing? Right? Are we, are we willing to sort of shout out in some form, God, we need you to heal us? Many of you are. Many of you I know. Maybe some of you feel like you've been shouting at God and it doesn't seem like God's listening. But for sure, the way this story frames it up, we have to be willing to ask and believe that God can heal us. So do we ask God for healing? Do we believe God can heal us? What do we want Jesus to do for us? Not just what is the politically correct thing for us to say that God wants. What's actually in our hearts? What do we actually want Jesus to do in terms of healing individually and corporately? Do we want to be healed? Do we want to heal? And finally, how do we need healing? I think if we, if we could have a universal open conversation today, every one of us could come up with one thing that says, I'm, I have some brokenness or some hurt or some pain in this area of my life and I need God's healing in it. Or I can see where we as a group really need healing in this area. Are we asking God to heal publicly? Are we the people who say, one of the ways through this, one of the third kingdom ways that avoids the dualism that we see all the time is to go, how can we ask God to bring healing into the lives of the people that we engage every day? So let me turn to the 21st century. What would it look like for healing to be one way that we engage publicly as followers of Jesus in the 21st century? Where, what if we asked, where do we need healing as a nation, as a local community in Minneapolis, as a church, as individuals? I don't think you could experience any of the news this week without hearing the stories of two more black men who were shot in an altercation by police. One in North Carolina, Keith Scott, and one in Tulsa, Terrence Crutcher. And per usual, as these situations, this is not the first time, you have an explosion of response. People are angry, people are protesting, both peacefully and not peacefully. One thing is clear to me from these two incidences and the other ones that we've experienced recently. Don't we just desperately need healing in our relationships between each other? Don't we just desperately need healing between people from different racial backgrounds in our country? Don't we desperately need healing between people who have different political persuasions in our country? We need healing from, in our justice system. We need healing from the way we talk to each other when these kinds of things happen. This is a pattern that I've been seeing as I've been trying to watch this and think about articulating it for you and for myself. There's a pattern in these tragedies. Something terrible happens. Someone or a group of people lose their lives, and in the midst of the tragedy, as we're trying to respond to the tragedy, people are expressing these very strong opinions they have about why those things happened or what was the underlying cause that contributed to the tragedy. Sometimes they do it respectfully and sometimes they don't. 
But here's what struck me. These conversations are born out of pain. They're not just academic conversations or polite coffee shop conversations. They're, they're pain, they're pain-driven conversations. They're among people who have been hurt, sometimes horribly. And a lot of this current tension, I think, is really based in pain where we are all desperately in need of healing. What is behind strong political opinions most of the time is some experience of pain. People lost their jobs. People have had terrible experiences with healthcare. There's pain behind a lot of people's experiences, and when you sit down and learn their story, you start to understand why where those, some of those opinions come from, even if you don't agree with them. I had this professor in seminary who taught me, you have to really understand the difference between talking about the, intellectually the problem of evil in the world. You're sitting in a classroom, you're sitting in a coffee shop, and you're having a, a non-circumstantial conversation about why there's evil in the world. Why do you think there's evil in the world? How could God allow that? There's a conversation. And then there's a whole, totally different conversation with a group of people or a family who are mourning because they've experienced evil in the world. Because maybe they've lost someone in a way that is inexplicable and they wonder how God could have let that happen. Those are two radically different conversations, even though the topic is somewhat the same. You can't respond to people experiencing pain by shouting your opinions at them. Whether that's online or in person, you just can't. No one experiencing pain is going to be helped or going to be even have their mind changed by people yelling their opinions at them in some form or another. Followers of Jesus are called to mourn with people who mourn and rejoice with people who rejoice. We should first and foremost engage publicly in tragedies like we've seen in the last week or two by mourning the loss of life experienced by families in our country. And after we've joined the mourning, then I think Jesus invites us to see healing as a way to engage these incredibly complex issues our country is facing. Rather than just say, we're in support of the black community, or we're in support of the police officers, what if we look at the systems we live with and ask, where do we need to ask for healing? Where do we desperately need God's healing? Is it possible to acknowledge that many police officers are people who are committed to public service, who are facing personal danger and incredibly tough choices every day. And, capital letters, A-N-D, and. African Americans, African American men especially, are being disproportionately arrested, imprisoned, and killed in our country. Is it possible to hold those two things together? Is it possible that the role of Jesus' followers is to seek God's healing in relationships and systems that are very obviously broken? Is it possible that there is a third way, a kingdom way, to address the problems that we're facing? Yes? No? Listen, friends, this is, this is an opportunity to reject the binary options to reject the boxes, to refuse to be put in one camp or another just because someone decided it's either this or that. We have to look to Scripture 
We have to look to God's leadership. We have to look to the way Jesus, our leader, engaged these situations. People were always trying to box Jesus in. Well, it's either you pay taxes or you don't. Either this guy was sinful from birth and that's why he's blind or he didn't. And Jesus almost never accepts the categories. Look at it for yourself. You'll find I'm right. And in this instance, Jesus is very clearly saying healing is one of the ways that Christians can engage publicly and help people see who God is, what the kingdom is like, and why Jesus matters. So let's look at these questions one more time. Will you put those questions back on the screen for me? I just gave you this one example today. Here's why I did that. It's not, a, it's, not, it's not motivated by anything other than, I didn't want to go through this sermon series and have you guys think, well, they're always dodging the ones that are the hardest. There's, there's 10 different issues I could have used. I wanted to illustrate for you, here's how the third way works. Here's how the kingdom way can shift the perspective. You could take a different topic. You can argue with me if you want. That's just fine. What I'm trying to push us towards is, let's not accept the categories. Are you with me in that? Let's try to say, what does it look like for us to dig deep in the tradition of being a Christian, a follower of Jesus, and say, what is, another, is there another way? At least one suggestion would be to answer these kinds of questions. Take a situation, anyone, that's publicly hard right now and say, are we asking God for healing? Are we regularly praying for God to heal the systems and the relationships that are broken? Do we believe that God can even heal that? Frankly, I think probably like the blind person who was thinking being able to see was in the realm of the miraculous, doesn't it seem like some of these issues, the healing of some of these issues is in the realm of the miraculous at this point? That's how it feels to me. And yet, we have faith. We have faith because we know we're serving and following and redeemed by the one who can perform the miraculous. That's what makes Christians different in the world. Do we believe that God can heal us? What do we want Jesus to do? Sometimes we have to ask, are we still just too comfortable with the dichotomies? We've learned our category, and we're sort of happy there. We know the arguments. We can win most of the time, at least we think we can. It's a lot harder to do the work that I'm describing to you, isn't it? Do we really want Jesus to help us see an alternative way forward? Where we embody the kinds of things that we see Jesus doing? Do we want to heal, and how do we need to be healed let me invite the band to come back up and let me invite you to start thinking about what should go on your sticky notes as we have an opportunity to sing and ask God for healing. With that, I want to I close with a story. So I brought up a big issue this morning. We need big healing, I think, don't we? There's some ways we really need sort of miraculous national and global level healing, and we ought to be praying for that. But we also need really small healing. A couple of weekends ago, we had our annual meeting. And we were here at Sheridan, and we were looking together as the covenant members at the text where Jesus is telling the story about the Samaritan who finds a person on the side of the road who is beaten up and needs care. I went home that afternoon, mid-afternoon. I'm in my driveway playing basketball with my kids. 
Two kids ride down the street I've never seen before. They just ride down on their bikes, pull right into the driveway. Stop. Can we play? I said, sure. That sounds awesome. Well, we're going to the, we're going to the gas station. We'll be back. Okay. So they go down to the gas station. They're gone like 15 or 20 minutes. They come back with more sugar than I thought second and third graders could possibly consume, but they handled it. They came back, and uh, my kids were already had gone inside for a little bit. And so I started talking to them. Where do you go to school? Where do you live? Oh, we go to this elementary school. Uh, we live in the trailer park that's six or eight blocks from my house. We've lived there our whole lives. And uh, wow, this is a really nice place that you live in. I said, yeah, tell me about it. He goes, you guys must be really rich. I go, why? Tell me why you think that. Well, this house is huge. And there's a tree house in your backyard. And there's a lot of toys around here. They're like looking in the garage and looking in the backyard. They're like, What's up? Can we ride this? Can we do this? Sure. I started playing basketball with this one kid who had a really nice shot. I was really impressed. And he's talking smack to me and telling me about how bad he was beating me the entire time, which I loved. I thought it was awesome. And then I realized there's like sort of dried blood on his face from something. And I said, man, are you hurt? And, and he's like, uh, yeah, I am. He shows me his finger and he had this wart on his ring finger that he had been picking at. And it's just bleeding all over everywhere. Bleeding on his shirt, bleeding on his face. And in that one moment right there, it dawned on me, I said, hey, can I get you a Band-Aid? And he goes, you, would you? That would be awesome. I don't, I'm, this is not good. And, and just for a second, I thought, okay, I was just with my church family, and we were reading about people on, coming up on the side of the road who were bleeding and needed help. And like two hours later, a kid from down the street is in my front, in my backyard, playing basketball, bleeding and eating. I mean, I, granted, he wasn't bleeding as much as the guy in the story, but he was bleeding in my yard. And it almost brought tears to my eyes. Chris is sitting in the backyard, and I looked at her as I'm walking in the house. I'm like, it's just like the text. <laughs> and she's nodding, you know. I go in, I get a Band-Aid, I bring it out, and I was like shaking because I had the chance to just, ban- I mean, it's a simple thing, right? Not a big deal. A small healing. But what an honor to just help him feel a little bit better so he could go back to talking smack about how bad he was beating me at basketball. We need big healing. We also need small healing. And every hurt and pain, I think, matters to God. And I think if we look at the world where healing is possible and we ask God and believe things can be better and different, Jesus will respond. Amen? Let me pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we call out to you today out of some desperation in a world that's very clearly broken, as people who are broken and have received grace from you that we didn't deserve, we're grateful that you continue to bring healing in our lives and we call upon you to bring more healing where you know it's needed. Pray for people, God, who are sitting here this morning and have been battling something for a long time that they need a breakthrough in. I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you bring bring healing into their lives. Pray, God, for people who have broken relationships and desperately need you to bring some peace and some restoration in those relationships. In Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Pray, God, for ways in which our community is broken down, where our schools are broken down, and we're not serving kids the way that they deserve to be. People are not being able to find food, God, or or work that's meaningful that they can put their life into. We pray for healing for our community. And Lord, we pray for healing in a nation that's clearly divided. God, that you would bring us together, that you would put the church forward as people who know how to unify folks and look to Jesus as our primary leader and call upon your name, Lord, that you might receive glory and more and more people might believe that Jesus really does heal by the power of your spirit in the world. That's what we want. It seems out there and too far and more than is possible and we pray for it anyway. Believing God that in your name, Jesus, anything is possible. Each of us individually has some healing that we need. We bring these little requests and big requests before you as we worship you and receive your grace and your mercy and your healing in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.